Foot and ankle injuries and painful conditions can make it really tough to stay active. This is the GW HealthCast. I'm Dr. Mike. Let's talk with Dr. Zung Lee and Dr. Julia Rosner. Both are podiatrists and clinical professors at the GW School of Medicine and Health Sciences and are affiliated with the George Washington University Hospital. Dr. Lee, how common are foot and ankle injuries? They're pretty common, um, but they range from problems that are considered quite mild, oftentimes may not really require any specific medical care, but oftentimes they can become quite debilitating, causing a lot of problems with walking, standing. Yeah. Yeah. And how about just staying active, right? We want more and more of our patients, our family members, our friends to be active throughout life. And uh, these kind of injuries, right, um, often become the reason why they, they can't stay active. So when you when you look at that non-athlete population, Dr. Lee, uh, what, what are the most common, maybe the top three most common injuries that, that you deal with? I would say the most common problems for the typical person who's not an athlete would probably be a lot of problems related to heel pain, specifically a problem called plantar fasciitis. Um, foot arthritis is also relatively common. Um, with regard to the feet, arthritis most often time affects the big toe joint. It could affect other joints of the foot as well, but the big toe joint most commonly is the joint that develops this problem. Um, another very common problem that a lot of folks get is pu- pain related to the ball of the foot. Um, That's the part where it's close to the base of the toes. Uh, There could be numerous problems that actually affect that part of the foot. Um, Things as simple as just um, some swelling that could take place there. Um, Sometimes there could be nerve-related problems in that part of the foot as well. Okay. Yeah, I definitely want to come back to, to, to those three common injuries and talk a little bit more about how, how you guys approach in, uh, treating those, those conditions. But I wanted to ask Dr. Rosner, um, it, it, when, when should somebody actually seek help from a professional like yourself? You know, whether they're dealing with the plantar fasciitis or some, maybe some pain that they're not even sure what it is. At what point, what are the signs and symptoms that tell you they need to go see somebody? an excellent question. So generally, my rule of thumb with patients is once pain kind of starts, that's a warning signal that something just isn't quite right. And usually at that point, I recommend patients kind of take a break if they're kind of a weekend warrior type or even the elite athlete of backing down off of some of the activity. If pain persists despite taking some conservative measures such as rest, ice, maybe an over-the-counter anti-inflammatory medication, or they're really just having difficulty with everyday functioning, like just basic walking, getting out of bed, doing things around the house, that's definitely when I'd say come in and get checked out. Yeah, great, great advice there. Um, So, Dr. Rosner, when somebody finally does come to see a a specialist like you, a podiatrist, can you tell us a little bit about the typical workup that that the patient can expect? And and tell us a little bit of the role of the podiatrist, say, versus a a medical doctor or or a physical therapist. Sure. So... Patients can expect to come into the office and we're going to ask them a little bit about their symptoms. So how did they first start noticing the pain? When did they notice the pain? How long has the pain been there? What have they done? 
And we ask them a quite in-depth history about everything that they've been experiencing and when they experience these symptoms. And then we'll put the patient through a physical examination that's comprehensive. So we're checking all parts of the feet. And usually we check both feet to compare one side to the other, not just the side that is troubling to the patient. And so that way we kind of know what normal is for them in comparison to what may be hurting them. Um, the examination can include a variety of different things of poking on different parts of the foot and ankle, moving the foot and ankle in different ways, having the patient stand, walk, um, and depending on the symptoms, uh, they may be sent for additional tests such as an x-ray. Um, we're a little bit different in the sense of a, a primary care physician or a physical therapist because um, physical therapy is really looking into the rehab of things and trying to get the patient to um, on the back side of an injury or they kind of help them become more functional after the acute situation or the primary pain dies down. And a primary care physician often will offer a lot of really great tips uh, to begin with, but the podiatrist comes in when those problems are somewhat lingering and need just that extra little bit of attention to really get past that acute problem. Right, and then right. some Do- Do- chronic conditions too. Yeah. So Dr. Lee, I wanted to ask you, you know, I, I, I think um, most people, most of, of my audience, most of my listeners are familiar with a doctor of podiatry or podiatrist. I'm not so sure they understand the extensive education and training that you go through. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the education and training that you went through to become a podiatrist? Yes, it is a little confusing, and there's a reason for that because podiatry, the profession of podiatry itself, has gone some um, changes over the last uh, decade or two. Um, you know, a lot of these changes happen so quickly that. Um, it wasn't really um, easy to, to keep the public aware of the advances in the training of podiatrists. Um, currently, um, a podiatrist would complete a standard four year of undergraduate study. Uh, following that would be four years of school um, at a, a podiatry medical school. Following that, you would complete three years. Um, typical now that most people complete three years of residency training program. Uh, additionally, many podiatrists would now, in addition to that, complete a fellowship um, that would further specialize or subspecialize in a particular field um, within foot and ankle surgery. This could be reconstructive type surgery. Um, it could be focused on, in some cases, uh, trauma. In some cases, it could be for deformity correction. And in many cases, it could be related specifically to complications of diabetic foot problems. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, 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 it's very comparable to a lot of other medical specialties. Right, right. And I, th- I thank you for that summary because I think that's going to help a lot of my listeners understand exactly what you guys go through to be able to practice um, in podiatry. It's very extensive. It's, it's the same amount of years as, as med- medical school, as a matter of fact. So let's, let's bring it back to those three common um, injuries that you brought up, Dr. Lean. Let's talk first about plantar fasciitis because that's something that I think more, more people are, are aware of. Um, uh, there's a lot of websites now with all kinds of treatments for 
plantar fasciitis, whether that's shoes or or inso, you know insoles, whatever, whatever whatever that is. There's all kinds of information out there. Some of it I think may be a little wrong. So I want to use this as an opportunity and, and allow you, Doctor Lee, to t- teach us a little bit more about what exactly is plantar fasciitis and how do you treat it. Okay, yeah, that plantar fasciitis is probably, if it's not, is is easily the top three conditions that a podiatrist would see um, on a daily basis. Um, Plantar fasciitis basically is a problem with a ligament that sits in the heel of the foot. Um, It's the ligament is called the plantar fascia, and hence the term plantar fasciitis, which involves pain, swelling, inflammation of this particular ligament, in particular at the area of the heel. Um, the problem could come about from a variety of reasons, but most commonly due to sh- shoe wear that's not offering enough support. Um, you can also develop plantar fasciitis from physical activities that might be more taxing, more stressful than your body is used to. Um, sometimes it can be due to body weight. Um, and occasionally, sometimes plantar fasciitis just happens without any clear uh, connection to any uh, you know prior problems or uh, antecedent events. There are lots of treatments nowadays with the technology, but the foundation of the treatment is still primarily providing adequate support for the arch. Oftentimes, this could come from a, a good fitting shoe, but most commonly, you'll need more than just a good shoe. Oftentimes, you'll need a arch support or some type of shoe insert. Um, there are some over-the-counter uh, prefabricated type shoe inserts that people could try, and some in some cases it's enough. Um, for more recalcitrant cases of plantar fasciitis, oftentimes custom foot orthotics are required because they they're a better fit for the foot, and they oftentimes offer much more support than what you could find in okay. in, in a retail store, for example. Um, the other a uh, very important part of treating plantar fasciitis is aggressive stretching. Um, uh, a big component of plantar fasciitis sometimes is due to loss of flexibility in the foot, um, which is not uncommon in most people over time as we get older. So uh, a big focus of the treatment is aggressive stretching, and that can be th- done through self self-stretching um, or sometimes for more, again, recalcitrant cases may need uh, the aid of a physical therapist. Um, right. I think uh, for most cases, aggressive stretching and adequate shoe support, including okay. uh, shoe inserts, are successful in treating plantar fasciitis. For cases that are more recalcitrant, tend to be more stubborn, oftentimes a steroid injection may be necessary to help relieve the pain. Um, and then with the current technology, there's there's a few other new options that are now available too, but these options are usually reserved when standard treatment has failed. Right. So, so the, 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 the go-to here is making sure we got the right shoes and that, that, uh, that aggressive stretching. And in most cases, that's going to, that's going to help at least for most patients. Is that, is that correct? Right. I would say, you know, for many cases with adequate support, shoe inserts, um, perhaps, even custom orthotics in some cases, and aggressive mm-hmm. stretching, uh, fortunately, will solve the problem in many cases without needing to consider more advanced treatment for plantar fasciitis. 
Dr. Rosner, I think to be fair, I asked Dr. Lee for his top three conditions that he sees. Um, why don't you share with us what are your top three conditions that you see and which and, and pick one of those to, to teach us a little bit about and how you treat it? Well, I, I do have to agree with Dr. Lee that those are definitely some of the top three conditions that we see, but um, a couple of other things that we certainly see a bit of would definitely be ankle injuries, such as ankle brains. Um, that has to be one of the, the more common injuries that a lot of people come in with, um, particularly people who like to be athletic on weekends or do a lot of hiking and sport activities. So um, that one uh, is pretty common. So usually when patients bring their ankles, it's on the outside of the ankle, which is the side of the, the little toe. And it usually happens when somebody kind of bends their foot and it rolls under them a little bit. And there's different degrees of sprains that can happen, anything from a pretty mild sprain to something that's pretty severe. And depending on what a patient um, comes in with will determine the treatment. So a pretty minor sprain might be something pretty easy to treat, just uh, ice, uh, so typical rice principle, so rest ice, elevation, and compression, maybe need an ankle brace uh, for a short period of time and can generally return to activity pretty quickly. But then there are some more severe injuries that are not quite as bad as breaking, almost as bad as breaking a bone without actually breaking one, which would Hmm. potentially require immobilization and a walking boot, um, removal from physical activity, and even possibly down the line, depending on how patients do with physical therapy, which is so key in recovering from these types of injuries, possibly even surgery to repair ligaments in the future. Right. Well, listen, docs, I really appreciate the time that you spent and all the great information you just taught my audience. You're listening to the GW HealthCast. Please visit gwdocs.com to get connected with Dr. Zhang Li or Dr. Julia Rosner or another provider. Or call 1-888-4GW-DOCS to schedule an in-person or virtual appointment. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.